but we're back. Let's have a word of prayer before we go into our lesson on tonight. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness, your grace, and for your mercy, for how you have been keeping us and watching over us. Lord, we've been shut in our homes, but we're not shut out of your grace. You're still good to us, still watching over us. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us now as we go into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, tonight uh, we are in part two of our discussion uh, about the rapture. Uh, and our anchor scriptures tonight uh, will be 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 54. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Um, before we read those uh, anchor scriptures, we just want to uh, do a brief recap of what we uh, talked about on last week. And as far stated that uh, in lesson one, we talked about the fact that the rapture of the church is perhaps one of the most important doctrines that are found in scripture. Uh, and I know uh, by what we continuously hear and see uh, and have been hearing and seeing, you would think uh, that the Bible is just about getting rich quick and uh, having homes and, and cars. But um, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, really is all about getting us ready uh, to be with the Lord. Um, so I don't know why it's not taught more and preached more because uh, we need to be prepared uh, for the coming of the Lord. Uh, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, then we should also believe that he's coming back for his church. Um, there's more space given. We talked about the fact in the New Testament to the second coming of Jesus, then you would hear about the atonement. And we told you on last week that our redemption is not complete until Jesus returns uh, for his church and pronounces judgment upon an unbelieving world. Um, that statement alone tells me that the destiny of the church and the destiny of the world are not the same. Hallelujah. This is why the word of God tells us that we should set our affections on things above. Also, uh, in recapping, we talked about uh, three different teachings concerning the rapture. Uh, the first one uh, we talked about was mid-tribulationists, uh, and these are people who believe that the rapture will come in the middle of tribulation period. Um, and we got into that, and also we talked about those uh, who subscribe to the teaching called post-tribulationists. Uh, and these are people who believe that the rapture will come after the tribulation period, uh, after all that you read about in the book of Revelation has happened, they say that's when the rapture will take place. But uh, most of us apostolics and uh, those of us uh, who are in the scriptures and following his word and take his word verbatim uh, believe that the rapture will come before the tribulation period. Um, so it's safe for us to say um, that after examining the major premises, um, and that would be post-tribulation, uh, the view, uh, you know, that he's coming after tribulation, uh, mid-tribulation, 
those who teach that he's coming in the middle after the first three and a half years of tribulation. Um, but uh, the pre-tribulation view, which many of us believe, the pre-tribulation view, uh, meaning Jesus is going to come and get us out of here before tribulation period begins. Uh, this view really uh, is the only view that can be accepted based on literal, the literal interpretation of scripture. Uh, and this is our hope. Um, this, this is what it's all about, uh, to see Jesus. You know, we sing songs about it. Uh, you hear people talk about it. And, uh, but sometimes you get the impression that they're just talking about it, singing about it. Uh, but we really don't believe it. But um, you can't believe part of the word uh, and discard the rest of it. Jesus is coming back for his people, and this is our hope, uh, our hope. N nobody wants to suffer uh, the wrath and judgment of God, uh, and we should continually, we should continually thank God uh, for delivering us from this judgment and tribulation to come. Hallelujah. That's why he saved us. This is why he filled us with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and he is preparing us. And uh, hallelujah, we should be preparing ourselves, I should say, for the day when we'll meet our Savior in the air. You'd be surprised how many in church struggle with this teaching. Hallelujah. That Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. You mean to tell me the Lord saved us uh, to leave us here on earth uh, and all we have to look forward to is what we have here on earth? And Jesus said it like this, what would it profit a man to gain this whole world uh, and lose his soul? Listen to these words Paul writes to his son Titus in um, the second chapter. He says these words, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God, our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee, even in uh, Paul's time. There were those who were refuting the teachings of the fact that Jesus is coming back for his church. Uh, Paul said he gave himself for us. He saved us. He shed his blood for us uh, in order that he may separate unto himself a people that he's coming back for. Um, and here is where we ended um, in lesson one. And we were talking about the fact that this is why you have to make sure you are in the church. I don't mean the building. I mean the body of Christ. You have to make sure you are in the church. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how many hands you've shaken, um, how many prayers you have repeated. Jesus said you must be born again. Hallelujah. Born again. Except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Um, so here we are, and I forestated earlier that then uh, if you're not in the church, then you're in the world. 
And we said that the destination of the church is not the same as the destination of the world. Um, so if we're in the church, of course, uh, I need to briefly discuss uh, why we're here. Why is the church here? Um, and the answer to that is so we can participate in the reign of Jesus Christ if we suffer with him. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, and I'm talking about going through for Christ. Uh, we will suffer for his name's sake. We shall have trials and tribulation. And these things are designed to sharpen us and to get us ready for the second coming of the Lord. Uh, and I know this is not a popular lesson because I'm not telling you about new cars and new homes. Uh, but there's nothing more precious to a true believer than our salvation. Uh, and our salvation is based upon the fact, hallelujah, that everything Jesus said he would do for us, he did. He suffered, he bled, he died, and he rose again for our justification. And hallelujah, he said, I'm going to send you another comforter. He sent that Holy Ghost, and he has filled us with his presence and now we have been told to work out our soul salvation with fear and trembling. And the word is work. Hallelujah. Salvation is all about working in the kingdom. Work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling in your heart. Work it out. Hallelujah. Live it out. Uh, everything that we go through. Uh, we ought to take it as an opportunity to learn whatever lesson the Lord is teaching us uh, and he is preparing us and getting us ready uh, for his return, getting us ready for his return. And I'm repeating certain things because I'm afraid um, that in many ways we have really veered off course. Uh, we're uh, being with Jesus is not on our minds like it should be. We're not focusing on the things that we should be focusing on. Uh, we're, we're too tied into this world. And we told you last week that this world is not our home. Um, I, I came across a scripture while I was meditating, and, and this is the scripture that I read earlier today in prayer. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. And on such, the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. And, and this scripture, of course, talks about what's going to happen after tribulation period. So uh, there are two things I need to discuss before I dig deeper into this. When he comes for his church, hallelujah, that's the rapture. When he comes with his church, that's after tribulation period, and I think some people confuse uh, his coming for the church with his coming with the church. Uh, but before we can come with him, you have to be ready when he comes for us. Can I get an amen? All right, so uh, I briefly have to talk about also what the purpose of the church is, purpose of his church course is to glory God, glorify God uh, through the ministry of his word. Uh, our purpose is to glorify God. Uh, and I'm going in this vein because uh, 
these days and times, it would appear sometimes that uh, we're veering off into a place uh, of entertainment, satisfying the flesh. Uh, but our job is to glorify God. Uh, and we can't do that in our flesh. We have to be spiritual. Uh, we have to be connected and tuned in uh, with the Lord. And we're doing this through the ministry of his word. And our objectives are to, uh, to edify, to evangelize, uh, and to expand, to win souls, to bring in as many souls as we possibly can uh, so we all can be ready when Jesus comes. Um, so as a believer, as a born-again believer, uh, during this time of grace that we have been given, and I thank God for his grace, um, we have to know and believe that we are on the winning team. No matter what's going on around us, if you're a born-again believer, if you've been filled with the precious gift of his Holy Spirit, you have to know and believe that you are on the winning team. Uh, and uh, we should eagerly be looking forward to being a part of his triumph over his enemies, and a part of his reigning uh, throughout all of eternity. My objective as a believer is to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. To be with him. Uh, and he saved us so we could be with him. So now let's go in to the rapture uh, part two. Um, and I'm going to read 1 Corinthians uh, out of chapter 15, verses 51 through 54. And then I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. You'll find in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And our other anchor scripture, coming out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Um, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So here Paul, in two passages of scripture, is giving us the revelation that the Lord showed him. This is what's going to happen, um, the church is going to be caught up, 
caught away to be with him. He's not going to leave us here. So uh, think about this in both Thessalonians uh, and in Corinthians. Uh, the principal theme is the rapture of the saints, the people of God, uh, those who have been born again, the saints of God. And the word rapture, you won't find the word in the Bible, uh, but from certain Greek words, uh, we get the words catching away, uh, being taken up from here. It means to be caught up or snatched away. Uh, and this is precisely what will happen to believers uh, as soon as the church is complete. What do I mean by that? As soon as he has gathered up all the souls, only God knows who's going to receive and who's going to reject. Um, but he knows. No man knows the day nor the hour. And I'll read that for you in the Bible. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. That's Matthew 24 and 36. Uh, but he knows he's going to gather all of his children up. He knows when that time comes, it just behooves us to be ready uh, to live our lives as though we really believe he's coming back. Listen, if you know someone is coming to pick you up, I'm, I'm, I'm coming to get you. Hallelujah. Normally, they'll tell you what time uh, you should expect them and, and you should be ready. Do you know? Some people are so lazy and slow. Even if you tell them what time you're going to pick them up, when you get to the front of the door and blow the horn, you still have to sit outside and wait for them to come out of the house. Uh, but Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you what time I'm coming. You just be ready. Live your life as though I may come any moment. And I want you to know when the horn blows, when that trump of God sounds, uh, he's not going to wait for you to say, oh, let me get dressed or hallelujah, let me get ready. Uh, you're going to have to be ready when he comes and Jesus is coming again. So we have to, we have to point out again, as I forestated, that there are two phases or stages of the second coming of Christ that's clearly taught in his word, clearly taught in his word. All the prophecies of the Old Testament tell of his coming in power as the Son of Man to reign and to rule. But there are two passages, and I'm going to read it for you in the New Testament, that state that before our Lord returns to the earth, hallelujah, as Son of Man, uh, and for Israel's deliverance publicly and to take vengeance on his enemies before he comes like this, before he comes like that, He's going to come in the air. He's going to meet us in the air. According to the scriptures we've read, our anchor scriptures, he's going to meet us in the air to rapture us uh, unto himself, to gather himself all of his saints. And his coming in power and glory will be ushered in by signs. Uh, what are these signs that we're talking about? Uh, and I'm going to read it for you out of the book of Matthew. Uh, and we were here last week. Matthew chapter 24. Um, what are these signs? And he says, take heed that no man deceive you. I'm in the 24th chapter of Matthew. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginnings of sorrow. So Jesus here gives us signs and tells us, uh, but before we get to tribulation period, and he talks about tribulation in that same chapter, but before we get to tribulation period, he intends to take his church out of here, uh, to receive us unto himself. Uh, at any moment, when is Jesus coming? And I know uh, soon, and, and because of our mentality, a lot of us immediately say, well, uh, he's coming soon, and some have taken that scripture and tried to put dates on it and pinpoint it. Uh, but think of soon as being more like suddenly. I don't know when he's coming, but he's coming, and when it happens, he's coming suddenly. Uh, in Corinthians, he says, we're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. The return of the Lord is coming suddenly. Uh, the first stage of his coming is called the rapture, the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church, uh, because there's going to be a catching away of all of his people. and He's going to take them or take us with him. I go away to prepare a place for you. Remember the 14th chapter of St. John, that where I am, you may be also in my daddy's house. There are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. So there are two important passages that show this truth, and we read them to you. Two important passages. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 54, and uh, 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, he says, I show you a mystery. Hallelujah. We shall not all sleep. No, when Jesus comes, there are going to be a lot of his children still alive, but there are many who have gone on before us. Uh, he said, we shall not all sleep in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump." For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall raise, be raised, rather, incorruptible. Uh, and, and we need to get into that word uh, mystery. The word mystery in 1 Corinthians 15 and 51, uh, a mystery. When we talk about a mystery in the New Testament, a mystery is something that's only known uh, to the initiated. Everybody doesn't have the answer or the revelation uh, to the ministry. Uh, but Paul received it and the Lord allowed him to write it down for us. Uh, he says, um, the truth of the rapture was not revealed. Uh, and we know this from scripture. When you read the Old Testament, it's not revealed in the Old Testament, but it's promised by the Lord Jesus. Again, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And they're asking him, what shall be the sign of your coming? And in that Greek word for coming in the text in Matthew is parousia, which is another word uh, that signifies the fact that there's going to be a catching away of the people of God. Um, and there's some scriptures I can give you because uh, there, there are six mysteries that we can look up in the New Testament. There's Romans. Uh, chapter 11 is the first one, and I'll read it for you. Romans chapter 11, verse 25, he says, 
uh, and we're still on, on dealing with mystery. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part has happened to Israel unto the fullness of the Gentiles become in. That's another mystery. Why, why these Gentiles being filled with the Holy Ghost? What's up with that? Uh, hallelujah. Romans 16 uh, is another mystery. Romans chapter 16, verses 25 through 27. Now to him that is a power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began. Uh-huh. But now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The third mystery is talked about in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 51 where he says, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Also now in uh, Ephesians. Let's find it for you. Ephesians chapter 1. All right, it's, and this is the fourth mystery in, in uh, the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 1 and um, verses 9 through 11. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he had purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, hallelujah, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. The fifth mystery. Uh, talked about in the New Testament, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 3 to, through 12, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when we, ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of man, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the spirit that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. And to me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hidden God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heaven 
places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. And here would be the sixth mystery coming out of First uh, Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory uh, and, and we told you last week just like Jesus was received up into glory he ascended into heaven uh, after he had died rose again hallelujah and he, uh, he ascended on into heaven and just like he ascended in the book of Acts it says he's coming back to receive us unto himself um so in First Thessalonians, thank you, Lord, uh, and I'm going ahead of myself. So uh, the mystery in First Corinthians chapter 15 and First uh, Thessalonians chapter four uh, gives us gives us the truth and gives us uh, the fact uh, that before the Lord returns uh, to the earth terrain. That is after tribulation. Before all of that happens, before tribulation happens, we know through the scriptures uh, that he's going to come and meet us in the air uh, to gather us unto himself, to gather us unto himself. Hallelujah. Unto himself. Now, I love that scripture, uh, and it, uh, it, it tells me uh, the seriousness of this that we should be preparing for his coming. Uh, we should not be living our lives as though he's not coming to receive us unto himself. Um, the Lord is coming. Hallelujah. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. I really believe we should do more, uh, talk about this more, um, that the fact that Jesus is coming it should be forever before us that the Lord is coming for his people. Uh, so here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, uh, he gives us all the teaching. Paul gives us all the teaching about the rapture of the church. Um, and let's go there. Let's go there. First Thessalonians. Now you know if, if uh, there wasn't um, any restrictions, I could just say to somebody, probably be Elder Washington or Elder Young, read for me. Uh, but because I'm here, it's just me and Craig here, um, I have to read myself. And so it's First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18, and we, we read it as our anchor scripture, um, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. He says, for if we believe, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. He says, I'm saying this to you by the word of the Lord. I'm not making this thing up. It's not a dream. Uh, I didn't eat too much and lay down. Uh, this is the word of the Lord. This is something that he's revealed to me. He says that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with the shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And he says, comfort one another with these words. They were, they were questioning. Uh, what about those who have gone on before us? Uh, and, you know, they were being taunted uh, by those who didn't believe. And you have to remember, just like today, back then there were other doctrines being taught. Uh, and, and some sects or some groups were saying that's, that's not true. Jesus is not coming. Uh, so the disciples or the apostles' job was to keep them uh, focused on the truth. Yes, uh, just like he said he would, he's coming back again. Um, so here's some things I, I want to get into based on the scripture that we just read. Uh, verse 16 says, um, the Lord himself. Um, this means that uh, the Lord's coming is personal. He's not sending anybody else to get us. Uh, he's not sending a messenger. He's not sending Michael the archangel. He's coming himself. Uh, not another Jesus, uh, but the same Jesus that died and rose again for my justification. The same one. They put nails in his hands, put a crown of thorns on his head. That same Jesus is coming himself. Hallelujah. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11, uh, uh, he's, he's saying that same Jesus in Hebrews 13 and 8. Uh, he's the unchanging one. Uh, no one else. There's not going to be any, uh, any changes in his plans. He's coming to get us himself. The same glorious one who in the days when he was on the earth was so loving, gracious, and kind. The same one that died on Calvary's cross and rose again and is the one who's coming again for us. Um, he's coming for us. He's coming for us. And, and, and those words keep ringing uh, in my spirit. Um, you know, I, I lost my dad earlier this year. And um, while we were uh, trying to get things together for his home going, and, and every time I was in prayer, um, these words, and I, I was telling the church about it, um, these words kept ringing in my spirit to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, and we've been preaching and teaching uh, about these things, um, but it, it really comes to mind when you're going through the process of burying someone that you love. Um, the encouragement is in the fact um, that he was born again. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And so this scripture now uh, is embedded deeper in my spirit uh, because I buried my daddy. 
Hallelujah. He's in Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx. But I believe in God's word. And when Jesus comes and that trump of God sounds, uh, my daddy's going to get up. He's going to get up. The dead in Christ shall rise first. But those of us who remain are going to be caught up. We're going to be snatched up and raptured. And we're going to meet each other in the air. I believe that. Uh, and listen, if you're in, in the church and you don't believe that, then you're wasting your time. He didn't, he didn't save us to leave us here. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and this is the truth, uh, when my father, he was the kind of man that planned for everything. And he, he paid for his, his uh, plot. He paid for everything. So when we got to the funeral director, all we had to do uh, was run through the plans, run through this, run through that. Uh, and he, he uh, where we took his body, uh, it's, it's entombed, you know, and some are on the bottom, some are in the middle. Uh, but he said, I, I want to get the one on top. Um, and uh, he was joking about it. He was saying, listen, because when the rapture comes, I want to have a head start. Hallelujah. And we laughed about it. Um, but he believed the people of God. Uh, he didn't just save us to speak in tongues. He didn't just save us to run around the building. Uh, but we are supposed to be in preparation for the coming of the Lord. And the first part of it is personal. He is coming himself. Um, verse 16 also says, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God and the dead. Christ shall rise first. But it, it's, it's letting us know that it's going to be sudden and dramatic. Um, it will be accompanied with a loud command. The voice of the archangel and the trump shall sound. Hallelujah. Now, I, I can't say if the world is going to hear this trumpet. I, I, I can't say. Um, and this is not the word of God speaking. This is just my opinion and, and my imagination in the scripture. I, I believe that the trump of God, only the people of God are going to hear it. Hallelujah. Only, only those who have been buried uh, and they have died in Christ. Hallelujah. Uh, are going to hear that trump. Only those of us who have been born again are going to hear the voice of the archangel with the trumpet. You can't say if the world is going to hear it. And, and to be frank, I don't care if they hear it as long as he's calling for me. As long as I'm ready when he comes. Hallelujah. And, and when, when you think about it in the scriptures, whenever there was some type of divine intervention, you know, people are going to be going through life flying in planes, driving their cars. It might be a Sunday morning, and, and these restrictions might be lifted by then, and God forbid if we go back to church as usual. Hallelujah. But uh, when he comes, it's going to be sudden, right? And I know they preached for years. Noah preached for years that it was going to rain, and guess what? All of a sudden, it started raining, um, Moses went to, to Pharaoh and kept saying, let my people go. Uh, and when God was ready, they were released. It happened. And it was dramatic. Hallelujah. The firstborn of everyone was dead. And uh, the people of God 
marched out of Egypt land. The Bible says with a high hand. That, you can't make that kind of stuff up. That was dramatic. That was drama. That was and the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. 120 were in the upper room. And suddenly, hallelujah, there appeared unto him cloven tongues as a fire. Um, the ascension was dramatic. When Jesus ascended on into heaven, uh, that was dramatic. Uh, and the angel says, why stand ye here gazing, right? The same Jesus, the same Jesus that you see ascending is coming back. He's coming back. Listen, uh, we got to believe his word. Uh, he's coming back just like he ascended. Uh, he's coming back. The third thing about it, uh, when he comes, right, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. This is, this is the first resurrection. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Hallelujah. I'm going to take you to Revelation. Revelation. I'm going to take you to Revelation, the 20th chapter. Thank you, Father. We're in the book of Revelation. Twentieth chapter, verses four and five. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast. And I'm bringing you here for a reason, uh, because there are people who are teaching that all oh, you know and and. They may not say this verbatim, but they're implying that, oh, if you don't make the rapture, uh, you can, you'll make it through tribulation. You, you know, people are going to be saved. Listen, um, there's, there's going to be 12,000, I know, and we don't have time to get into it, 12,000 people from each tribe, because God is going to have his number uh, from the Jewish nation, 12,000 from each tribe. That's that 144,000. Um, and the Antichrist, according to scripture in the book of Revelation, part of his frustration is going to be that he will not be able to touch these people who have been sealed. These are 12,000 from each tribe. That's the Jews. And I told you that last week that the tribulation really is about punishment for those who have rejected Christ. And the Jews rejected him, but he's still going to have a remnant. He's still going to have his number. Hallelujah. They're going to have to go. They're going to go through that tribulation, but the Antichrist won't be able to touch them. But they're going to have to be judged. They're going to be, go through judgment, not the same judgment the church is going to have. Uh, are you with me? Um, so there are people who say, well, uh, you, people will be saved during tribulation. Listen, um, and what's going on with the coronavirus and restrictions and all that shouldn't should make a flag go up in your spirit uh, on, during tribulation unless you take the mark of the beast you won't be able to travel you won't be able to buy food uh, you, you won't be able to buy a house and the technology is already set up for the mark of the beast right uh, in, in parts of China and other parts of the world they're already inserting chips uh, in the baby's forehead or in the 
uh, the back of their hand or in the palm of their hand. Uh, everything is already set up. If you can't make it under grace, how are you going to make it during tribulation? Uh, because, see, look at this. He says, and John says, I saw this. Thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus. These are people who would not take the mark of the beast. They lost their lives. They lost their lives. Today under grace, repent, be baptized, give up your life of sin. Hallelujah. Come into the church. Come into the body of Christ. Give your life to him. Uh, but in tribulation period... Uh, your choice is take the mark of the beast or, or die. You're not going to give up this. And there are going to be people who are going to lose their lives. Uh, that's, that's the only type of, of salvation. And I know there are those of you who might be watching and listening who don't agree with me. And you say it's debatable. I have no problem debating it with you. Uh, but, but why play games with people? Be ready when Jesus comes. Because... And we proved it last lesson that the raptures for the church, the tribulation period is not for the church. If you're in the church, you're not supposed to be there. If you're there, you have missed the rapture. You've missed the rapture. He said uh, they were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the first resurrection. Hallelujah. All who were saved before Christ came to die and all who had been saved since and who have died will rise from the dead in their glorified bodies until he comes. Their bodies are asleep. And we read the scriptures, but when he comes, their spirits, which are with Christ, uh, will be clothed with bodies that are imperishable. And we read that in Corinthians. This corrupted body shall put on incorruption. Uh, if this earthly house, this tabernacle is dissolved, uh, we have another building not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. Um, the next thing about the rapture is every living, born-again believer will be changed and caught up. Will be changed and caught up. We got to go back to 1 Thessalonians, and I'm winding up. I'm winding up. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Um, so if I compare uh, this verse with what we've read out of 1 Corinthians, this means that when the Lord comes, there are going to be oh, thousands, millions perhaps of, of believers on earth uh, who will never die. Hallelujah. They will never die. And that sounds strange saying that they will never die. But when you have the Holy Ghost, um, your body dies. Your body dies. But to be absent from this body, and, and understand, and I don't have time to get 
all the way into it like I want to. I can't take this flesh into glory. I have to get rid of this body. Uh, and he's going to give me a glorified body. He's going to give me a brand new body, an immortal body. Uh, and we're going to forever. He said we shall forever. And so shall we ever. And so shall we ever. That sounds like forever for me. How long is forever? Forever. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. So we're going to be changed. Paul said in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. We're going to be together. Then will follow a time of glorious reunion for us. Uh, because verse 17 here also tells us that we shall be together. Hallelujah. What will a gathering, what a gathering rather that will be. Uh, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air uh, to be together. It implies, number one, that we're going to recognize our loved ones. We're going to recognize those who have gone on before us, we're going to meet in the air all the saints of God. Hallelujah. By and by when the morning comes. I don't know the rest of the words, but they used to sing that song uh, back in the day. And uh, folks would get stirred up because it, it, it's in our spirit. It's, it's, it's in our sight. We, this is what we're living for. This is our hope. Um, and again, we shall ever be with the Lord. Listen to this. It states that this is the goal at the end of the road. Hallelujah. This is the goal at the end of our road. I'm going to take you, I want to take you to an Old Testament scripture. I want to take you to the book of Psalms. The 23rd Psalm. Uh, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord in the house of the Lord forever the house of the Lord forever I'm going to be with the Lord forever and we can tie it into that verse uh, a lot of the songs David sang they were prophetic also they were called messianic uh, where he, he's singing but it's, it's prophetic we are going to be with the Lord forever hallelujah forever and 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 when i say in his house in this connotation i don't mean in this building forever uh, he didn't save us to be in this building forever and i tell you this coronavirus is is opening a lot of our eyes because a lot of us have been behaving like everything is about the building uh, and don't get me wrong, I love coming to church. I love coming to this building. But our goal is to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. The message of salvation is about preparing to be with God. Listen, um, there's a few things I want to say to you before I close out. We're running out of time. Um, I want you to consider these passages. Uh, and you could write it down. Uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, talking about salvation, Jesus says these things, and, and I want you to think about this. Few that be that find it. Remember in Matthew, write it down, Matthew 7 and 14. I don't really have time to read it because you're running out of time. 
But Jesus says these words, few there be that find it. Few that be that find it. He's later asked the question, Lord, are there few that be saved? Are there few that be saved? Right. Uh, hmm. This is his response. Um, and, and write this scripture down. Uh, and, and read it at your leisure. Luke chapter 13, 23 through 24. His response, strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. I want that to marinate in your spirit because everybody's claiming to be saved today. Everybody's claiming to be a born again believer uh, but he knows those that belong to him. Um, and I think, no, I don't think I know. Um, it's not time to play church. It's not time to just go through the motions. We have to be saved. And we have to be saved according to scripture, not according to some rules, some man-made. Uh, but you have to be saved, born again, according to scripture. Hallelujah. Even though the number of people, listen, even though the number of people of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, uh, only a remnant will be saved, right? He promised Abraham that all of these children, uh, but he came unto his own. We talked a little bit about this last lesson. They, his own received him not. And this is why he's going to take 12,000 out of each tribe. I'm gonna, he's going to have a remnant. 144,000 is a small number compared to all of the Jews that have been scattered. Hallelujah. We are not Jews, and we told you last week some of the scriptures we read are not to the church. They are to the Jews. The church, again, has no business going through tribulation, period. Read Romans 9, verse 27. I'm coming to a close. Christ, in talking about God avenging his children, Ask if he will find any faith at all when he returns. Luke chapter 18, verses 7 through 8. What, what is Jesus, what is he going to find when he returns? What, what kind of attitude? What is the church really, the church going to look like? And, and listen, he's coming. Whether you believe it or not, whether you receive it or not, Jesus is coming. Listen, he says, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. I tell you that he will avenge some speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith? It's a question, not a statement. Shall he find faith on the earth? Hallelujah. So, and some have asked the question as well, when Jesus comes, how many people are going to be raptured? I don't know. I do know that everybody that's claiming salvation does not have salvation. We need to be sure that we're saved. If you want to make the rapture, we have to be sure. I can take you. Remember the story of the ten virgins. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like ten virgins. He's talking about the condition of the church. Five were wise, five were foolish. Um, and I, I, I listened to um, my former pastor, Bishop Bonner. He would often, in this scripture, teach the fact that uh, perhaps what Jesus is telling them is when the bridegroom comes, 
Is it possible that only 50% of the church is going to be ready when, when the bridegroom comes? Five were wise. Five had oil in their lamp. Five were foolish. They had lamps, but there was no oil in the lamp. And when you read the story uh, about the ten virgins, the five that didn't have oil in the lamp, they trimmed their lamps just like they had oil. They was make-believe acting like they had oil. But when the bridegroom came, they couldn't light up the lamp. There was no oil in the lamp. And when the bridegroom came, here they are begging those that had oil, give us some of your oil. Um, and they told them, no, go buy your own. Go buy your own. I don't, I don't think I have enough for you and me. Uh, I don't know who I'm talking to now, but if you're going to see Jesus, you're going to have to have your own oil. You're going to have to be filled with the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to be saved for real, not just trimming your lamp, not just getting dressed for church, but you have no Jesus on the inside because there will be a rapture. The bridegroom will come, and you want to be ready. Hallelujah. So um, what will the condition of the church be when the rapture comes? Uh, what, what will he find when he gets here? Uh, and of course, that's, that's a whole new lesson within itself. What, what does the church look like? What are we supposed to look like? Um, because in many ways, we have strayed. Um, so this is good. We need to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming and we have to be ready when Jesus comes. Um, I, I want to read a scripture, and I'm going to close out for real. I know I sound like that old country preacher that keeps saying I'm, I'm getting ready to close, but I'm really getting ready to close. Uh, there's a scripture in 2 Peter uh, that, that came across my mind when I was preparing. Uh, and, and Peter writes these words, uh, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds, by way of remembrance that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, and these are the last days, scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise? Where is the promise of his coming? Right? And, and there are people in the church and out of the church talking about, well, he ain't come yet. You've been, you've been talking about Jesus' coming for a long time. Where is the promise, hallelujah, of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly, listen to these words, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old. And... Uh, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as as one day. Now I'm 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 going to cut this off because I want I want you to hear what it sounds like in the message Bible. It says it says it like this. First off, 
you need to know that in the last days, mockers are going to have a heyday, reducing everything to the level of their puny feelings. They'll mock. So what's happened to the promise of his coming? Our ancestors are dead and buried, and everything's going on just as it has from the first day of creation. Nothing has changed. They conveniently forget that long ago all the galaxies and this very planet were brought into existence out of watery chaos by God's word. Then God's word brought the chaos back in a flood that destroyed the world. And the current galaxies and earth are fueled for the final fire. And God is poised. He's ready to speak his word again. Listen to this. He's ready to speak his word again. He's ready to speak his word again, ready to give the signal. He's ready to give the signal for the judgment and destruction of the desecrating skeptics. Hallelujah. He's poised. He's ready to give the signal. When? I don't know. But Paul gave us how it's going to happen. He's ready to give the signal. The trump of God is going to sound. Use your imagination. When it's time, he's going to point to the angel and say, all right, blow the trumpet. There's going to be a cry out. Hallelujah. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. And those of us who will remain, Paul said, will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Hallelujah. Will you be ready when Jesus comes? I'm, I'm going to stop, but I'm, I'm getting excited um, because in my heart, in my spirit, I'm yearning for him to return. I'm yearning for my Lord to return. Um, and listen, um, let's, let's be serious about this. Let's come to a place where we're no longer doing things just to be doing things, but our focus should be on pleasing God and being prepared for his coming, because he's coming again. Um, I, I, I sang to you last week. I'm not going to sing to you this week, but, um, you know, every now and then I'm reflecting on old songs, gospel songs, and um, I pulled up a hymn, and, and, uh, and thinking about my father, he loved to sing hymns. I was raised on hymns. We don't sing it uh, too many songs, uh, hymnals anymore, but... Uh, there is a song that I found that was written in 1891 uh, by, by Elisha Hoffman, and he wrote a song about the coming of the Lord. Could you imagine? Uh, I've only been on this earth for 58 years, but people have been singing and preaching and teaching even before this time, even in the days of of uh, the Bible days, Jesus, before he died on the cross, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. But here's a song that was written in 1891, uh, and the words say, the Lord is coming by and by. Be ready when he comes. He comes from his fair home on high. Be ready when he comes. He is the Lord our righteousness and comes his chosen ones to bless and at his father's throne confess, be ready when he comes. Hallelujah. And, and the chorus goes like this. Uh, will you be ready when the bridegroom comes? 
Will you be ready when the bridegroom comes? Will your lamps be trimmed and bright? Be it morning, noon, or night, will you be ready when the bridegroom comes? The Lord bless you. Um, Greater Refuge Temple here uh, in Washington, D.C., and Refuge Temple Annex in the Bronx, New York. Uh, we love you so much, uh, and I'm so grateful for the honor and privilege. Lady Fields and I are privileged and honored uh, to be a pastor and First Lady, uh, and we want you to be safe. And um, listen, just because we are shutting in our homes and we are obeying the restriction, it doesn't mean that we don't have faith. What's happening is not a question of morality. It's a question of public health, uh, and we want you to be safe. So we'll let you know uh, when it's safe to come back in uh, where we can gather together and worship and fellowship as we did before this happened. But until then, uh, Lord willing, we'll keep broadcasting like this, uh, the word of God uh, via Facebook, Instagram, uh, telephone, whatever we have to do to get the word to you. Um, let's be encouraged. Uh, remember to reach out to one another, uh, encourage one another, uh, pray for one another and with one another, and we'll make it through this. Amen. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for this honor and privilege to go into your word and to share your word. We ask, O oh God, for your covering over your people. Protect us, our loved ones, our families, our children, O oh God, from this virus. You said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So I pray. Oh, God, that the house of every believer especially will be protected. Oh, God, by that blood that shall never lose its power. We thank you for your protection. We thank you for your delivering power. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a good night and be safe.